Welcome to the Blockchain VC, a podcast about crypto and the digital assets ecosystem. My name is Tomer Federman, and I'm the managing partner at Federman Capital. We invest in the most promising blockchain startups across the globe. I have more than 15 years of experience in tech, and before starting the fund, I was on the product side at Facebook, where I led product strategy and global growth of some of Facebook's major ad products. Previously, I also lived in Silicon Valley for a few years, where I attended Stanford Business School. You can find me on Twitter at Tomer Federman. Before we begin, please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only, and all the opinions expressed on this show, either by guests or me, do not reflect the opinions of Federman Capital. Nothing on the Blockchain VC podcast represents an investment or financial advice. Please, do your own research. Also, If you like this episode of The Blockchain VC and want to help us bring more awareness to the space, I'd really appreciate it if you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. This only takes a few seconds and helps us get the word out. Okay, let's do this. My guest today is Michael O'Rourke, CEO of Pocket Network. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? Th- thanks for coming on the show. Good, Tamer. I'm doing very well. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Cool. So maybe to kick things off, Michael, um, uh, would be great if you can share a bit more kind of about your background and um, how you got into crypto to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a bit of a, a bit of a diverse background. Um, I, uh, I was born in the Caribbean, first of all, and that, that, that definitely um, informs uh, uh, my interest in crypto later, later in life. But I was born in the Dominican Republic, but raised here in the U.S., uh, uh, in Tampa, Florida. Um, studied uh, humanities in college, uh, basically a history degree. I wanted to be a, a diplomat, so I had uh, international studies. And I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial background, and uh, I tried to build an app uh, that I found. Uh, I found someone to build it on Reddit, ended up spending about $4,000 to build it, and it didn't, uh, didn't really work out. It was just a, a crappy kind of UI with, with no backend. So that kind of was a catalyst for me to learn the code before I graduated. Uh, right around that time, Apple released the Swift programming language and uh, just dove super deep into it. Um, got pretty, pretty hooked into building apps and showing my friends and that kind of kept me going. And I uh, was a professional uh, iOS developer for about uh, three years before I hopped full-time in the blockchain. Uh, my first exposure to uh, Bitcoin was through a, a wired expose If anyone remembers, back in 2013, uh, Wired Magazine did an expose on the Silk Road, and, and I've always been a big reader of Wired, and uh, kind of learned about Bitcoin, which led me to the subreddit, which led me to reading the white paper, and ended up buying my first Bitcoin on Coinbase uh, sometime in mid-2013. mid, mid, uh, uh, mid 2013. And, uh, Good timing. Yeah, I know. It was actually, this is actually the, my second, uh, second bear market, right? I actually got caught up into the first... Uh, The first wave when or not the first wave but but that the second to last wave where it popped up to a thousand I think I bought around like six hundred dollars or something like that and for the next 18 months it just went down <laughs> and uh, um, you know it was really it was really a couple things that really kind of really got me excited about about uh-huh. Bitcoin um, one being from the Caribbean um, I'm very uh, uh, well attuned to the pains of sending money to my family and for me uh, uh, to be able to send some value without having to deal with Western Union PayPal or anything like that was uh, super, super powerful for me. And the other piece uh, uh, that kind of really got me excited was I definitely paid attention to the kind of Occupy Wall Street 
uh, thing back in 2008, and uh, kind of taught me a bit about the financial system and and kind of uh, uh, kind of opened it op- opened it up for me. And uh, when I found out about Bitcoin, about being this just completely separate financial system, completely untouched by the current one that that exists, um, was just incredibly fascinating to me. And uh, you know. That entire time when it went up and all the way down, I just kind of just bought a little bit, kind of dollar cost averaged in and just really dove super deep into it. I wasn't even a developer back then. So uh, for me, I was just kind of on the subreddit, just really kind of just diving deep into 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 the community and 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 and, and Bitcoin itself. Right. And, amazing. Amazing. And yeah. how, how did you how did you become a developer? I mean, you talked earlier about hiring a developer and, you know, outsourcing some of the. Uh, developer uh, work how did you become a developer yourself yeah you know um youtube <laughs> and every free uh, uh amazing uh, everything i possibly could get my hands on i used um especially back then because you know and, and it's interesting swift uh, actually prepared me perfectly for for building on ethereum uh, later down the road because um if anyone is an ios developer and, and was there when uh, apple released swift Uh, they were changing their APIs and the format of the programming language. I mean, almost monthly at the you know the first two years of that being out. So that actually really accustomed me to being uh, uh, kind of just used to things changing constantly and things breaking mm-hmm. all, all the time. So um, actually, you know, and 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 that actually kind of prepared me pretty nicely for when I picked up uh, Solidity about late 2016. But um, how I became a developer, you know. Um, You know, I, I wanted to learn I wanted to, to, to move out to the Silicon Valley and and, and find a job um, I wanted to build my own things uh, especially after I kind of had an expensive lesson uh, mm. of what not to do <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of kept me going and uh, uh, yeah it just built a ton of apps um, wow. through every free thing I possibly could ended up doing some contracting out in Silicon Valley for about six months uh, moved out there packed up all my stuff moved out there and Uh, applied to hundreds of jobs on angelist to the point to where angelist thought I was a bot where they banned me temporarily. Really? Um, I was just literally every single company I possibly could uh, uh, they uh, uh, yeah they would temporarily ban me for, for about 15 20 minutes or something like that um, so <laughs> what Because you, you, you applied to like a bunch of different companies on via angelist yeah. Yeah, startups to everything from Groupon and Facebook, right? I didn't quite have the uh, computer science background yet to, right, to, to right. pass the, the, the kind of bigger company interviews, but I felt that, practically speaking, I could definitely build stuff, right? So I felt that um, a lot of these startups might have been a good fit for me. Um, ended up getting a job all the way back in Sarasota, Florida, <laughs> where they moved me across the country <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to, to work on an app uh, at that point. And that was really... Uh, You know from start to finish I really cut my teeth on, on that app because uh, I really that was really the first one I, I built uh, initially by myself and uh, uh, that was an incredible learning experience and that's also where my met my uh, co-founders as well in that startup so when was that this was uh, 2015 I'd say summer okay. summer 2015 um, moved back out and uh, or moved uh, uh, no actually 2016 sorry summer summer 2016. Uh, uh, okay moved to uh, Sarasota and uh, worked at the startup it was a mix between it was actually a pretty interesting idea it was a mix between reddit and Instagram and the idea was you would uh, subscribe to these bucket lists and you'd follow them and to complete the goals on them you would uh, post a picture so the idea was that your feed would be pictures of people completing these goals so this is kind of proactive mm-hmm. you know social network <laughs> right so Um, but met my co-founders there and uh, you know learned a lot built a ton of stuff 
and uh, uh, you know ended up you know we became amazing friends and uh, ended up leaving that company to to start Pocket actually. Cool. So when did you start Pocket? I would love to kind of learn more about the story there. How did you start it, and then uh, what is Pocket? Yeah, yeah. The first um, the first kind of idea behind it actually Pocket before it was Pocket was this idea called uh, Telcoin. Um, uh, we wanted to build a marketplace for your cell phone data. And we had this whole crazy idea to incentivize people to uh, spin up their own MVNOs because here in the States, you have to, um, by law, uh, uh, by, uh, by law uh, services like Verizon and AT&T have to sell you, your, uh, sell, sell you data on their, on their towers. So we had this right, whole right. interesting idea where you would you know, be on this little tiny MVNO and uh, uh, the same frequency, let's say I went to Paris, I'd be able to trade my data uh, uh, with with a with a set of uh, with a token on 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 Ethereum. Um, we found out that the infrastructure wasn't quite there to support that kind of uh, an endeavor. Um, and in the process, we uh, you know just de- deploying smart contracts, building on Ethereum. Uh, we started using a service um, called Infura, and people really um, a lot of people don't realize the the importance of this service to Ethereum and and really why it's such a, a amazing and critical piece to it. Um, but uh, it made it super easy to just build on Ethereum. Uh, it was a really simple API that they run the Ethereum servers for you, or Ethereum uh, nodes, and provide an interface for you to build stuff. And uh, through us building this, we were like, wow, this is incredibly important, um, especially through 2017, where you had all these ICOs and you had dApps like CryptoKitties and things like that. Um, they didn't go down because of Infura. <laughs> Infura was a reason why uh, a lot of these dApps and websites didn't go down. And, and it's really mm-hmm. incredible what they've done. And kind of our thought was, we think we're going to live in a world where there's uh, hundreds or potentially even thousands of blockchains, and all of them need some kind of Infura or some kind of this API that that um, allows developers to build on the blockchains, right? Um, uh, like mm-hmm. middleware. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of the genesis of the idea and where we started thinking about, okay, so do we just do this for rights? How does this work for rights? Okay, rights barely happen. And one of the things we learned was, you know, I'd say 99% of all of Infura's traffic are reads meaning people refreshing like their price tickers on, on, on apps and things like that. Right. Um, you know, they just get a lot of refreshing, a lot of data being pulled. Um, yeah. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so we started kind of thinking about designing a protocol for reads as well. And, um, you know, uh, uh, effectively that kind of was the genesis of the idea. And, and, and three years later, uh, three and a half years later, we, uh, h- here we are. Wow. So, so you've been working on, in, on Pocket for three and a half years now. Yeah, the def, definitely the genesis of the idea was late tw- late 2016 as uh, when we first really started thinking about it and uh, kept percolating and and uh, we definitely, yeah, I mean, we've even got, we've got the pictures of the whiteboard sessions on Sundays where we'd go over to, 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 to my co-founder's apartment and uh, just design what, what, the, what a transaction would look like, look like on Pocket, right? And um, back then it was uh, built on Ethereum, uh, meaning like we were completely thinking about this in the context of Ethereum smart contracts, um, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to sign up for Pocket and to participate, you know, it's just a set of smart contracts. Um, eventually mm-hmm. evolved outside of that uh, to, to becoming its own blockchain. But, um, you know, really our roots are, are in Ethereum because frankly, I mean, the first time you deploy a smart contract <laughs> to Ethereum that people can use, it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty mind blowing thing. Actually, oh no doubt, um, no doubt. Know, and I, I remember being um, at the Miami Bitcoin conference in January 2014. I think it was. Um, it was my first crypto conference, and I remember watching Vitalik being in the crowd, 
uh, announce Ethereum. And I just remember, oh, this is vaporware. <laughs> I did not even, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I just like, oh, you know, it's, it's all about Bitcoin. And uh, it wasn't until a couple of years later when, um, after the DAO hack and when, you know, my co-founders and I started you know, mm-hmm. playing around with the smart contracts and things like that is when we really kind of saw the power of, of what it was. Yeah, I, I remember the first time kind of I made a transaction on the blockchain and it just, it blew my mind. I just couldn't believe that this transaction just happened and, you know, it only took a few seconds and I can literally see, you know, where the money is. And, you know, a few seconds later, I could see it actually moved and it just blew my mind. Um, so I like, I think with a lot of this stuff, until you actually kind of experience it and kind of use it yourself it's kind of yeah, hard to describe and, and, you know, when, especially for those of us who have been living yeah, yeah you know abroad or in, in different geographies um, yeah absolutely and then and then you put on you know smart contracts on top of that where you can you know yeah do an if-then statement and literally program money right like that is just yeah you know, it was you know back then it was incredibly, incredibly powerful idea still is no, i'm sorry still is yes i mean yeah it's just uh <laughs> Yeah, it's incredibly powerful for sure. So I guess uh, b- before we kind of get into, you know, how Pocket might be different than, I guess, Infura and kind of other solutions that are out there, you know, why not use Infura? Why not build on Ethereum? To your point, right, Ethereum is, you know, pretty remarkable. Obviously, you know, is by far the leader in terms of, you know, developer activity and kind of dApps that are being built on top of it, you know, as we stand right now. Um, why do we need, uh, you know, uh, an Infura, but not for Ethereum? Shouldn't we just build on top of Ethereum? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, I'll, I, I'll, I'll take that into, into kind of two parts, right? Um, one, why not build on Ethereum? And, and two, why not uh, uh, use Infura, right? Two, mm-hmm. First piece, um, why not build on Ethereum? Um, you know, we tried everything we could. <laughs> To actually stay on Ethereum, uh, 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 we uh, looked at okay. Um, we we looked at Plasma. We looked at um, uh, Cosmos, Polkadot, State Channels, all the things. Uh, and this was probably um, early twenty uh, early twenty eighteen. Uh, uh, but but the 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 thing about Ethereum is that, and this is obviously you know this is very well known, but it's very expensive to write state to Ethereum, and and that's why. You know, you've got all these solutions that are coming out uh, today with Plasma and state channels and and and, and whatnot. And um, for us, the technology wasn't quite there yet. Um, you know, I was keeping up with all the Plasma implementer calls back then, and um, you know, they were just still experimenting. It was still quite uh, uh, constrained with what you could do. Um, and uh, for us to have a protocol that could work as efficiently as possible. Uh, we quickly realized that it couldn't be built on Ethereum, um, that uh, for what would be a smart contract call on top of Ethereum, uh, uh, not only is there the cost of um, of the protocol itself, right? Like someone making a transaction on the protocol, but then there's the cost of, you know, the, w- what we call the cost of coordination, where you also have to do an, a transaction on Ethereum, which all the miners in Ethereum have to, you know, validate and, and, and you know, eventually put on the blockchain. So this adds a um, uh, a very high unnecessary cost, especially when you're working in kind of this kind of middleware API layer, where you know you could be potentially doing billions of of API requests a day, right, um, or even trillions, right, or even quadrillions if you're if you're something like Facebook. And mm-hmm. even if you uh, batch up all these API requests, right, 
and uh, try to limit how often you write uh, to you know state to Ethereum, you know, proving the val- validity of these things, um, it gets really expensive really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, in the process of actually looking into plasma, um, it, it was actually quite liberating <laughs> um, uh, because we didn't have we we no longer had the constraints of of Ethereum, and we ended up specking out kind of our own blockchain as a plasma chain. Um, there were a lot of unknowns though at the time about plasma, so we were like, okay. Well, what would this look like if we just made it our own client, you know, built in Go, just like Geth, for example, right? And um, effectively, because we kind of what what would become a, a you know what was a smart contract call in Ethereum became a core RPC call in Pocket, effectively, and uh, quote unquote this you know being closer to the metal um, ends up being significantly cheaper, uh, uh, you know, on the hardware side, on on the coordination side, uh, 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 you know, that's uh, really. Um, that's really why, to be honest. Uh, that's really the only reason why. Uh, you know, it might be different today if we were uh, mm-hmm. starting from scratch today, but um, you know, at the time, that's you know, that's the best we could do. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do you, do you think anything is different today? You know, Raiden, sharding, you know, Ethereum, you know, two point yeah, coming I, up. I think Plasma is much more uh, mature today, actually, and especially with what Loom is doing and some of these other protocols. I think um, it would have been a lot more clear as to what we could have done. Uh, uh, you know, at, at least doing some kind of a transition or something like that. But uh, you know, even even using something like Cosmos or Polkadot, right? Uh, you know, that would we would definitely look at that, regardless, right? And you know, we actually are likely going to use um, Tender mm-hmm. consensus, right? <laughs> slightly slightly adjusted, slightly edited, but um, you know, that'll, right. that'll allow us to be in kind of the Tender or the Cosmos ecosystem, which is also interesting interesting for us, right? Um, and to, to answer your second question, um, uh, why not just use Infura? Um, well, I mean, you can't have a uh, decentralized cryptocurrency with uh, uh, one company uh, uh, handling most of its uh, throughput, right? Uh, at one point, I, I'm sure it was you know somewhere upwards of 70 80% of the Ethereum ecosystem using Infura. Um, now, it, it's definitely gone down. Um, there's been quite a bit of other uh, great products and great companies doing some awesome stuff. Uh, 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 that have definitely brought that number down. I mean, I, I, it'd be hard to say what it is, but regardless, having a uh, decentralized cryptocurrency with kind of one single point of failure where uh, Infura runs all their servers on AWS, right? Um, and uh, uh, so not only are you trusting one company, but that company is running on another company <laughs> to to support this kind of decentralized ecosystem, right? And, right, basically uh, defeating the purpose of the whole. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and And the way we see it is kind of like, uh, you know, the stack of protocols and technologies that are going to kind of sit on top of each other, right? And, you know, some some protocols can make the trade-off where, you know, we can have a centralized API, but we can't have, um, you know, uh, centralized governance. Or we can have centralized governance, but we can't have, you know, you know some some other piece that's that's decentralized. But, but we are kind of um, uh, a, a truly uh, permissionless option where uh, anyone can kind of plug in a full node for any blockchain and uh, you know, provide a service to developers uh, who pay for it, right? They, they pay for the service uh, to make sure that it's sustainable and um, uh, mint some cryptocurrency. And this has some additional uh, really great benefits, um, particularly with uh, full nodes, because that's really what what the goal is, is to, is to incentivize people running full nodes, basically servers in your homes or, or in data centers. And uh, we are attacking this through the, through the API layer initially. 
And what's the monetization plan? Like, how do you, how do you actually monetize that? Yeah, so, so we, the Pocket, you know, Pocket Inc., we're a C-Corp in Delaware. We don't take any rent. We don't uh, uh, make any fees uh, for running or for, for, for launching the protocol or being a part of it. Uh, we're going to participate as a node like everyone else. Um, uh, so what we are focused on is, is driving value to the network um, uh, and uh, uh, building this permissionless protocol that allows uh, anyone to uh, basically build a plugin that allows uh, their developers to connect to this decentralized network. So we kind of have this vision where um, you have this network of nodes, let's say hundreds or thousands of nodes, and a new blockchain wants to come be a part of it. Um, uh, it's actually quite trivial to you know write a plugin, and all of a sudden the entire network of nodes can can spin up and then start earning our native cryptocurrency or, the, or pockets native cryptocurrency. Right? Um, they earn it through minting uh, uh, the, um, the the cryptocurrency. So there's no uh, fees, direct fees. Uh, developers pay through inflation. Uh, so it's a bit of a different economic model, um, but effectively you get paid for the work that you do. Um, so. Uh, traditionally, so if you look at the evolution of kind of uh, blockchain uh, uh, mining and earning and things like that, we started with Bitcoin, which uh, proof of work, right? And you just you know waste a ton of electricity to solve this math problem that lets me get Bitcoin, right? Um, uh, we then evolved to proof of stake, which is much more efficient on the electricity side, um, but still that reward isn't really tied to, to to the work done, right? Like it's pretty tough to um, you know. You, the the, war, the the reward is tied to to my you know financial investment in the in the protocol and you can't it's really kind of difficult to quantify the work that you're doing right I mean the work is you know the amount of money I put in and 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 that protects the protocol right but especially mm-hmm. with these kind of smart contract protocols there's um, you know a lot of additional things on top of that um, there's been a third evolution uh, which was I think it was coined by um, Jake Brookman from CoinFund with this idea of uh, generalized mining where uh, the work that you do uh, the reward that you get is much, much more directly tied to the uh, to the work that you're doing, right? Um, other protocols like LivePeer are a, a great example of this. We are definitely under that umbrella. So what Pocket does is distribute the work evenly across the protocol. And all participants, uh, uh, when they plug in, as long as they're uh, online and, and are, are providing a good service, uh, they will mint the cryptocurrency uh, out of thin air. Uh, for providing that work and uh, that's balanced out on the other side through staking and burning within the protocol so um, economically speaking you know eventually it'll hit some some equilibrium right right so it's not it's it's definitely not proof of work and it's also not proof of stake it's kind of basically kind of a different take on kind of i guess the consensus algorithm uh, that's that's tied more clearly you say to kind of the work that you actually contribute to the network. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a mix. I'd say um, I'd, I'd say we, we took a lot of inspiration from Dash actually, the Dash protocol. Um, so uh-huh. Dash is a uh, so Dash has proof of work uh, protecting the integrity of the blockchain, and then you've got this kind of like master node layer on top that does a a bunch of additional value add services uh, from coin mixing to um, you know to all sorts of stuff. Um, you can think of Pocket as something similar, where you've got the proof of stake layer, which um, everyone can participate in, uh, and and that's kind of protecting the integrity of the protocol. And then you've got the uh, uh, um, the the services layer, which is people running nodes, providing this kind of API service, um, where most of the reward goes to uh, uh, those people providing that work. Um, a much smaller piece of the reward goes to those protecting the chain through proof of stake. Got it. Got it. 
can you can you talk a bit about kind of the team? Is it still the two of you, the two co-founders? Have you gone? Yeah, the team? yeah, yeah. So we're we're actually four co-founders, uh, uh, four friends who just we all worked at the startup together. I was the second hire. They were the th- and then they were the third, fourth, and fifth hires. Actually, ah, cool. Um, three developers and one designer. Um, we're all Latin, uh, three Dominicans and one Colombian. <laughs> Uh, so it's a very, That's the requirement. Uh, no, but, <laughs> but we are very loud. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm very, very friendly. I, 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 say, I don't think there's a company that says I love you guys more than ours, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're four people. Well, I, I, I should, I should introduce you to a few Israeli companies. I know they tend to be pretty loud as well. <laughs> you know, it's funny actually. We uh, side, it's a little side tangent. We, um, we actually worked in an office. Uh, with some Turkish, uh, some Turks, actually. And they're also quite... <laughs> quite <laughs> right, the Middle Eastern kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, okay. you know, this, you know, we'd, we'd be speaking normally, <laughs> but someone who came in, you know, might be like, why are these people yelling at each other? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, the, you know, but, um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, we were, we were four people, and um, uh, it was just us four until about May of last year. And uh, the team has then grown to about uh, 16 people today actually so um we've been able to to you know between here tampa i live in tampa bay and tampa and dominican republic um we've actually been able to uh, recruit some some awesome people and some great talent actually uh from uh uh, from here actually uh so it's nice there's this whole um concept of a brain drain where if you don't live in new york silicon valley right you know berlin london um, people from here, you know, from all these kinds of places tend to leave and, uh, you know, look for mm. better opportunities. Uh, right. What's really interesting is that if you uh, are building something, uh, uh, you know, a, a problem that that people can really be inspired by and believe in, um, you know, people tend to want to stay. And uh, uh, that's actually resulted in, in some really great, I mean, it's been incredible, actually, the people that we've been able to recruit from from Andrew to Pat to Global, you know, you know, quite literally, like I think we have the best engineers in the country in Dominican Republic, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, the team has grown, and um, you know, between you know half here in Tampa and the other half in, in Dominican Republic. How important is it? Do you think that you have, I guess, these two, um, you know, central hubs, right? So, for instance, would you consider, you know, hiring remote uh, people? You know, let's say people who are based in New York or California or you know, somewhere else around the globe? Yeah. Or uh, or is it kind of important that, you know, you're, I guess you're based kind of in the same location across these two different uh, places? Yeah, so I definitely think it's important to have two kind of primary hubs um, uh, uh, in Dominican Republic and Tampa. Um, that being said, it's, it's, it's definitely not impossible to build a completely remote uh, uh, company. Um, and, and also we do have a couple of people uh, uh, outside, right? So one person in Colombia and also one person in, in London, actually. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, I do think it's important to be in the same time zone <laughs> that makes things a lot easier. Um, it's also important to be fairly close, right? So, so one thing we did last year was, um, take the team to Dominican Republic and, uh, uh one is, it was inexpensive, <laughs> uh, to take the whole team there and, and two, uh, to, to be able to send and, and to have, to, to be able to have everyone together, uh, is, is really invaluable. <laughs> I mean, oh uh, yeah. Doubt. It is so powerful. Um, yeah, no doubt. no doubt. I actually completely agree kind of with what you describe, right? I find that uh, a lot of folks kind of in this, certainly, you know, in crypto, right? Like they tend to build uh, 
you know, they take the decentralization kind of narrative and they apply it also to governance and kind of the way they build the team. And yeah, from my experience, kind of building products, it actually like the decision making process and the whole process works much more efficient once you're kind of centrally located, right? It could be across different, several different offices, but basically where you have, you know, the team kind of co-located at the same place or places, because you get all these like casual conversations, right? That happen and, you know, just so much kind of innovation flows as a result of that that i think just is is just much more difficult if you know each of you is in a different time zone in a different location well yeah i mean it's a serendipity of conversation right <laughs> i mean exactly you never exactly. know you know uh and, and you know that's why people work at co-work spaces right um it's it's it, i think it's vastly different when you're you know when your entire company is together and 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 you're all thinking about the same problem all the time well you know at that point, you can just be like, "Hey, dude, like, what do you think about this?" You know what I mean? And we we we, right. we have definitely tried to to um, account for that right in our in our culture online, right? Like, we're we're all pretty digitally native, and we definitely have some hard and fast rules of of kind of conversations happening in our in our channels, mm-hmm. right? Whether through engineering or marketing and and governance and and economics and things like that. Um, we we definitely have a policy of. Um, having these conversations out in the open so that this serendipity can happen as well as possible. Additionally, I mean, you can do things like, you know, we, we run a pretty, um, you know, uh, agile kind of a, a setup where we have our standups and syncs and everything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, we definitely mm-hmm. have a lot of FaceTime, right? And we definitely try to keep, uh, for example, our video on, right? Just as a general rule, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so these little mm-hmm. things kind of help augment, but it, it's really, you know, it's not the same, of course, <laughs> right? Right, right, yeah. right. What's your uh, what's your view? Just kind of curious, maybe taking a step back, kind of more generally, you know, thinking about the space. You know, what's your view on where we are right now? I feel like since the beginning of the year, you know, I don't know if it's a bull run, but seems like you know the the sentiment is changing. And you know, given the recent announcement, certainly you know the Facebook one seems to have penetrated a lot of chatter even beyond just you know our small crypto circle. What do you think we go from here and kind of how do you think about the space in general? Do, do you see, you know, mass adoption anytime soon? Just kind of curious about your view about the space. Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I, it, and a lot of people do this, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, com- try to compare it to, to the internet, right? Where, you know, we had ARPANET in 62 yeah. or 63, right? <laughs> I'm definitely at fault in doing that a lot as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it took what, 30 years, 32, 33 years before kind of the Netscape moment, right? Um, you know, and a lot of... Inf- a lot of infrastructure needed to be built, right? Um, we don't even have a fraction, in my opinion, of what we need, uh, so that you know, uh, my mom can can you know use some application where you know she doesn't even know it's it's using blockchain, right? Um, uh, uh, that being said, um, I do think that we are in a positive part of the cycle um, because, frankly, I mean, the space has kind of fed itself uh, and 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 kind of. Uh, Dog fed itself through through these kind of cycles, right? Where where the price goes up, it funds projects coming in and mm-hmm, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, uh, I think what's really interesting is happening with Facebook um, and with Libra. I think that's definitely going to bring a lot of attention to the space. Um, but but at a higher level, I mean, we are still so early, and there's still so many opportunities and so many things that need to be built for this to even be remotely usable, right? And some of it just takes time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've seen it with F two with the sharding. Um, 
with Cosmos and 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 Polkadot, right? You know, I remember when the Cosmos ICO happened, and they're like, "We're going to have this out in a year," right? Um, you know, it's three years later. <laughs> Uh, right. you know, right. you know, it just, it takes time, you know, it, it just takes time and, and it takes, um, a lot more experimentation. Uh, right. And, and I do worry a little bit that there is not, um, enough experimentation. Um, and that might be as a result of this space being open source, right. Um, which might act sometimes I believe to its detriment where, you know, previously, like, you know, in the nineties or even the early two thousands, you know, you'd have a closed source company and you had to either figure it out, right? Um, or, or, or die basically, right? As a company. Um, uh, and that forces people to be creative and, and really figure things out. Um, sometimes I do feel like there's a bit of a, of, I don't know if an echo chamber is the right word, but um, th- there is a, uh, a fear of, of kind of more radical experimentation with economic mm-hmm. models, with governance models, with all sorts of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 just because it's easy to, um, you know, fork what's working, right? So this goes from uh, Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin having, you know, probably thousands of forks, you know, most of them dead, mm-hmm. right? Um, Ethereum led to um, likely hundreds of forks, right? Uh, 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 you know, that that are working today, right? And that was a, you know, a truly novel idea, right? We're starting to see a little bit of this with uh, with some of the DAOs, right? But but even But even then, right, like, um, you know, something like Moloch DAO is just, you know, it's being, um, uh, uh, it's being, uh, uh, forked and copied. Right. And that's a great thing. And, and I hope that it leads to, uh, many yeah. different types of experiments, but at the same time, uh, uh, there aren't that many, uh, new ideas in my opinion. And, and, and sometimes I worry that that's a, as a result of the open source, well, it's easy to just see what's going on. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, I, it, it may be just a little bit slower, but I, I do think we need a lot more really kind of new experimentation. And, and you know, frankly, it's it's impossible to know, you know, what the things, you know, how things work until it's live, you know, in a, in a you know, truly, you know, adversarial environment, right? Like, you know, Satoshi released Bitcoin, like how many updates did he, you know, how many, you know, how many times did he push fixes to Bitcoin, you know, when it was right. so small right. early, you know, and it could have easily broken, right? But, you know, you know, it's almost like a, it's like a startup, right? And and sometimes I do feel like um, there's like this, uh, uh, you know, uh, things need to be too perfect to launch, right? And that might be a fault too of of kind of the the hype that a lot of these projects get, right? Where you know you wanna you wanna build something that's equivalent to uh, to the hype that you've received, right? Um, and and that might lead to some paral- uh, paralysis, right? Uh, and, and yeah. For me, for me, those are kind of the, the, the downsides of the ecosystem. That being said, um, each one of these forks, each one of these blockchains is a new experiment, whether social or economic or, or through governance, right? Um, and, you know, we are experimenting at a, a pace that is unheard of, right? Like previously we had, what, one, maybe mm-hmm. two or three economic experiments, you know, in the history of the world, like at any one time, you know, now we have hundreds <laughs> or thousands, right? Right. And, and you know, it's only going to get faster. Right. And, um, you know, I just, I just hope that, that people really try to think and, and solve this, these, these things from first principles and really, uh, you know, if I think if you do, you'll, you'll come up with some really interesting, uh, innovative stuff. Right. Right. So when you talk about like, you know, not necessarily kind of enough experimentation, you mean just not, not enough kind of, I guess, projects going into production and alive. Yeah, yeah. And especially while you're still small, right? Like, like that's the best time, right. You know, there's, um, <laughs> I have this theory where, where, 
um, you know, something of a function of, of market cap and, and how well-defined your governance is, it's going to be harder to change uh, your code, right? So Bitcoin is, is probably the, 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 the shining kind of example of this where, you know, it's the largest one and has, you know, if you were to rate its governance on a one to 100, it's probably a one, right? Right, right. I, I think that's the whole issue, though, right? I mean, it's just uh, there's so many kind of additional challenges, I think, kind of when you're building a company or a project on top of open source infrastructure, right? Because, hey, you know, anybody can, as you said, fork it and, and, and be like, uh, if you don't get it right, right? Like, it's kind of hard to continue to iterate on top of it, right? You just got to keep forking. It just like introduces... I feel like a lot of challenges that you don't necessarily face in traditional software development. Well, environment. There's definitely trade-offs, right? I mean, you know, a, a really big reason why Ethereum is successful, right, is I'm, for example, I'm an iOS developer and um, I wasn't, you know, yet building on platforms like Google or Twitter or Facebook. But um, many times these platforms would, you know, Google would change a, a, a piece of their search algorithm and just kill a company, right? Uh, overnight, like literally overnight, right? And and um, uh, this is actually one of the big benefits, right, of of these things, of especially of something like Ethereum, where where it's hard to change, right? Especially as it's gotten larger, and, and there is a sense of uh, security there. And and additionally, like you know, being a company there or being a protocol on on Ethereum, right, where you're contributing, um, you know, you have. A, bit more of a voice or a say of where the protocol, you know, the direction of a protocol may go, right? So, um, you know, there's, you know, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in computer science is, is that there's trade-offs for everything. And, um, you know, where, you know, and, and we see that with decentralization and everything like that, right? Where you, know, you have EOS on one end and you have Ethereum on the other, right? But, um, you know, these are, you know, th these are the trade-offs, right? And I do think right. that building on these platforms uh, uh, you know, using Ethereum as an example, right? They're the second largest. Um, if you were to rate uh, governance for Ethereum, maybe it's a ten or a twenty out of a hundred, right? So it's 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 possible to change. Uh, it's just you know hard, right? And we're seeing that with um, you know with F two point oh and F one point X, right? Um, uh, and and all these things, right? So uh, uh, you know, and this this is the first time you know everyone is kind of like learning as they go too. Right. And everyone's just kind of trying to figure it out. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, you asked where we were in the, in the ecosystem. I mean, you know, there's no playbook, right. You know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I love history. Right. And, and, you know, I've heard stories of, you know, people running ISPs in the nineties and really like, how do we even charge people? Like what, <laughs> you know, how do right, you know, right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and none of that is clear yet. Right. There's been a couple of great successes. Right. Um, but, but I still think there's, hundreds left to, you know, thousands, you know, there's so many, you know, interesting things that can be built that'll lead to many larger explosions, right? Like where, where you've kind of seen this explosion in the DeFi space, for example. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, this is still like very much early days, right? I mean, yeah. uh, in, in many ways it hasn't even started, right? I mean, these are very um, early days. Yeah. The only other thing I would say on that is I just feel like this is also challenging because it's about money. Right. And it's about, you know, value transfers. So I think like if you're building an app to, I don't know, upload pics, right. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it breaks, like it's not the end of the world. You know, I can't access my account. Right. But if I have money stored there and now it breaks and I can't access my money and maybe I lose access to my, I mean, that just creates like a whole set of 
responsibilities and challenges I feel for the developers that are not necessarily in existence uh, with yeah. other fields. Yeah, it's, I, it's more akin to um, uh, jumping off a cliff and trying to build an airplane before you crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah, pressure with, there. With the security. Yeah. What are you? What are you most excited about in the space beyond, obviously, kind of pocket and the work that you're doing? Anything that you're watching closely in terms of, like, even in terms of like categories, you know, stable coins, decentralized exchanges. Yeah, so you forth. know, um, I'm starting to see more and more of these kind of um, application specific protocols, right? Like, um, you know, we saw a uh, an announcement in um, I think Helium, uh, which is super, super, super interesting, um, where where you're, you're basically, uh, you know, using using a, a low low energy cell service to to power scooters and things like that. Um, you know, I, what I find super interesting is people experimenting with hardware, solving one specific problem really well. Uh, because what happens is is you know people build these interesting things through these constraints, right? And uh, I was talking to another project called. Uh, FIO, for example, and and they're doing some really interesting or FIO FIO, FIO protocol, and 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 they're solving one problem really well, and this is like, you know, and and as a result, <laughs> their design decisions and the way that they build their protocols and things like that enable more experimentation and more kinds of um, uh, interesting things to be built. Right? Um, I think I think that for me is one of the most exciting things to see. Uh, additionally, uh, I am very excited about some of these kind of uh, kind of minimalist blockchains, like uh, Coda, for example, um, is super super interesting to me. And this, for me, I mean, I am not a cryptographer, I am not a uh, you know anything like this, right? Um, but just these incredible incredible uh, innovations of of just math, right? Where where we can compress something to. Just where it's not even, you know, it's barely noticeable, right? I know, I know, Polkadot is trying to do something similar with, with their light clients, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, these kind of feats of of engineering, um, for me, are incredibly exciting, and uh, you know, you know, these are the real kind of heroes and people kind of really leading uh, uh, the space because it's really led to, you know, an experimentation on the you know hard you know science side that. I'm yeah. not so sure existed previously, and and just to see that um, gets me really happy and excited, to be honest. Yeah, no, completely agree. With, especially when you think about like the potential impact, right, and kind of the use cases that this could lead into. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's impossible to keep up with everything, right? I mean, I mean, you know. I try to. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know you got you know you got you've already got so many kind of domain experts, right? Where yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a plasma expert. I'm a cryptoeconomics expert. I'm a you know whatever it is, right? And you know when I say expert, I mean you know there's you know <laughs> no one's been in this for more than ten years yet. So or you know at, at most ten years. So even then, you know there's still a ton of you know learning to do. But uh, just the fact that this space is just so multi uh, multi disciplines, right? Where where you know you just it's impossible to find uh, uh, people from so many walks, right? In, in any other industry, is is I think is really unique to, to, to blockchain. Generally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is also why you know I think this space by far is the most exciting one. It's just like there's so many things happening. The potential impact and you know use cases are so 
mind blowing, right? When you think about kind of the entire financial ecosystem and beyond. I don't know. I just I just think it's so much more exciting than you know anything in, I guess, more traditional. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we haven't even seen yet, you know, the combination of you know AI or 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 machine learning or anything like that, right? Um, you know, what we're seeing with voice, um, you know, once these technologies, you know, with with biohacking and, and things like that, I think these technologies are going to even continue to 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 kind of bleed bleed together. Um, uh, there may be, you know, you know, it's like you know, in 1995, you never could have you know assumed a guess that Uber existed, right? Or Uber was going right. to um, you know, it's even, it's, it's just, you know, and, it, and it's unlocking a new kind of uh, uh, type of profession. I mean, you know, we're starting to see, you know, here in the US, there's a big worry about automation and things like that. But I mean, if you go to Twitch, you know, you've got tens of thousands of people, you know, paying to watch streamers. And, you know, I think that the, it's, it's basically enabling people to, to, to be more creative, right? Whether it's in blockchains or, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and uh, you know, when when someone who is a product person, like a true like product person who understands the technology, right, but but can't like you know code it or anything like that, can put these kind of building blocks together, you know, using some you know uh, uh, machine learning library with some blockchain solution and some voice thing, right? Like who knows what's going to be built, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's impossible to. There's no way, yeah, there's yeah. no way to tell, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no way to tell other than it's going to be completely disruptive. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean, this space hasn't, like, when you think about, like, financial services in particular, right? I mean, it hasn't really changed in decades. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's ripe for disruption. That's, that's, well, that's to be fair, I mean, it's interesting, actually. I, and I don't know if Bitcoin has been a catalyst of this or not, but I mean, you know, for me, at least, you know, being here in the US, it is so easy to transfer money now, right? Like, like in terms of like using Venmo or, um, you know, whatever it is, right? I mean, it is just. Yeah, it, it's easy to transfer money. But here's the thing, right? The way it like the fees you pay are essentially pretty much the same. Um, compared to like 10 or 20 years ago, especially if you think about like, you know, international money. Like, I don't know how much you move money across like borders, but the way you do that on the back end basically works the same as it did like then. You know, you still need to do the conversion. You still pay the fees for the conversion. You know, you have the 3% like Swift fees and all of that. Like that hasn't really changed. Um, sure, sure. You can use your debit card, you know, when you go to buy coffee and like, you know, it works extremely smoothly and so forth. But if you move mo- money across, definitely across borders, like even the fact that you you have to convert like, the local currency from whatever it is that, let's say you move from like the UK, right? It's like pounds and then you have to move that to like dollars and pay all these fees and it could take a few days. I mean, the whole thing just makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then like, you know, you want to figure out what's going on. Oh, guess what? It's the weekend. There's no one to call, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird, you know, or maybe it's like the evening. And so like the banks is closed. I, I just like, yeah, I don't think yeah, that's sustainable. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I was referring to kind of like local, like here, you know, at least in the US, right. But definitely international is, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. Right. Uh, but I wonder how much of a catalyst in terms of, you know, almost like competition, you know, yeah. being now, right. Where, you know, Facebook has, has, you know, gotten all these institutions to work together now to, to kind of try to figure, figure this out as well, which is, you know, that says a lot for, for what, you know, the spaces, the influence the spaces have. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. I just wrote a blog post about it <laughs> a year ago or slightly less than a year ago when I decided to leave and, you know, start the fund. Most of my friends at Facebook thought I'm crazy. And uh, yeah, <laughs> let's say a lot has changed in a year. And uh, so last thing I wanted to, to uh, you know, talk with you about, Michael, would love to get your view about governance. Talked about that, you know, offline previously and... Uh, uh, and kind of would love to get your thoughts about it, right? So, so from my perspective, like the way I think about it, you know, tell me if you agree, right? There's, there's, you know, we see a lot of projects right now that are raising through a pretty traditional equity model. A lot of kind of other startups have been doing for decades now. Um, some of them, I think, are trying to do like a combination of equity and maybe like a security token offering, which is kind of similar, right? Security token essentially... Um, being a tokenized equity vehicle. And then like the third part is is really about, which I guess is kind of the newer wave of, you know, companies trying to really build a network through utility tokens and potentially also bring on board some investors um, via pre-sale and so forth through these mechanisms. Kind of curious how you, you know, think about the different... Um, ways of, I guess, funding crypto networks? And then how did, how did you approach that? Uh, when yeah, yeah, popped? sure. Um, so so I'll, I'll, I'll break that into a couple of pieces first, like on the funding side, right? Uh, the kind of differences, and I'll, I'll go through kind of like my, uh, uh, you know, kind of my uh, experience with it. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, additionally, uh, uh, kind of, you know, there's a funding side, and then there's the governance side, right? Like who's, who's making the decisions in this protocol, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, we've definitely seen, uh, almost like a boomerang (laughs) where, you know, previously it was, you know, traditional equity. And then, you know, we had the ICO boom and it was just tokens, tokens, tokens. And we've definitely seen kind of a reversion back to some, to some mean, right. Tokens aren't definitely aren't dead. Uh, you know, our cells are, are kind of proof of that. Right. Um, but, but we're definitely seeing some different, um, approaches and different, you know, thoughts and, you know, I've, I've definitely seen it. Um, seen a mix on both sides, on both sides of the pond. Meaning, like you know, I've I've raised uh, both in Europe, um, in Asia, and and here in the U.S. Right. So I've actually been able to to, to talk to investors all over, and uh, there's so many diverse opinions <laughs> in terms of the 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 right way to go about it. Right. Um, and uh, uh, there's some trade offs. Right. Like so, traditionally, you know, you know, raising an equity, you know, has been you know tried and and, and tested. Right over over many decades and um you know in terms of keeping uh, uh alignments uh, for founders and 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 employees and things like that like there's a whole framework and an architecture around uh, uh building these uh companies and things like that you know and then ethereum came along mastercoin came along and he said you know they're like look we're gonna raise this money um uh, uh, and uh, you're basically going to have liquidity uh, on day one, <laughs> right? At least uh, in terms of, of of the token, right? Uh, not not uh, uh, not, not and, and, and you know, frankly, like you know, and I haven't looked super deep into the history of of you know you know before the stock market and what things looked like like that. But you know, uh, there's no real rules, right? Like it's you know, it's it's starting to it started to definitely uh, get more. Uh, traditional, where you know, back you know, in 2017, there'd be you know, 90 percent discounts with no vesting and all these kind of like kind of crazy kind of deals, right? Um, today, you know, even ourselves, like we do, you know, we we you know, for us, for example, we do, you know, we we are selling tokens, but we are 
structuring it in as best as possible as we can for for kind of the, to align the incentives of of everyone from the employees and the investors to the to the participants in the protocol because that's the key piece here is is you're if, especially if you're building a, a permissionless protocol I'm not so sure that uh, this quite uh, applies to uh, more permissioned ones like uh, some delegated proof of stake chains and things like that but if you're building something um, truly permissionless where anyone can participate. Um, I think you have to think about things a little bit differently in terms of uh, what it means uh, and, and how a protocol, actually how a protocol can can move forward because um, you need to have people feel ownership um, for this thing because they do, right? Like they are users of the protocol. They're finding some value in it, um, ideally, right? It's not like some, uh, you, know, you know, ICO or something like that. But if you frame it around, um, you know, you're building this thing and you set at least a social contract. And that's really the first form of, of governance around these blockchains is, you know, Satoshi set his formal contract or her, her or they, or whoever it was, or their social contract of, you know, this is a separate financial system. This is what we're against. This is what we're for. Um, you know, Vitalik did the same thing with Ethereum, right? We're kind of more in the, at least initially, more in the move fast and break things kind of a vein. Right, um, and uh, 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 that's changed as it's grown and matured, of course. But regardless, uh, uh, everyone who's participating in Ethereum, for example, knows that they want or, or, or knows that Ethereum has some goal of this kind of sharded future where you know you've got these smart contracts and all these things. Right? Um, when you decide, like, okay, I'm gonna vest my tokens for X time. Um, you know, you're doing this under the uh, expectation that the community and the protocol will help push things forward in a way once you've kind of set these kind of ground rules or or where you as the creators of the protocol expect it to go, right? Um, especially if you see a protocol to be kind of like a base layer uh, kind of a solution where uh, uh, once it's grown, like there's there's very little, you know, there's very little things that that'll change about it, right? And having people come in and uh, participate and have a voice in in the direction of, of where these things go and, and really like truly relinquishing kind of control actually, I think um, increases the value proposition of these uh, blockchains because we're seeing with the true permissionless ones, uh, real success uh, uh, because uh, people feel empowered and people understand the vision and people understand uh, where they believe this thing should go based on the creation of it, right? Like, you know, our DNA uh, is in pocket, right? Like, like you know, our this Latin DNA of ours is, is from the start, <laughs> is is in pocket, right? And, and you, know, you know, we are definitely defining where we think it should go, um, how it gets there, um, uh, uh, you know, may change over time, right? But the important part is that... Uh, having uh, people uh, who believe in the vision and who, who, who believe in, in what you're trying to achieve um, and have a, a, a true, not only financial, but, but kind of, um, uh, I don't think moral is the right word, but some, uh, you know, emotional stake in, in where these things go, I think um, actually helps make these things be more successful. Right. And it's kind of counterintuitive, right. Where, where, you know, traditionally in a company, you know, You've got you know people making decisions, and you've got the 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 one you know or group of people that that um, you know you know, get the Steve Jobs and the and the and the Zuckerbergs and the and the Bezoses and things like that. But um, you know 
if you're building something where uh, the the gains are split amongst the users, um, I, I think there's something to be said to where you know having some ownership there is is really important, right? Um, now, how well these rules are defined, I think, uh, is something that uh, we're learning now, right? We're seeing this amazing experimentation in DAOs and and coordination of people, and and I think that this is a brand new space where how do you get you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to coordinate online in this kind of digital jurisdiction, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the way I like to think about these things is like a city or even a country, right? Where um, you know, you've got people living in it. You've got the you've got the currency. Um, uh, you've got you know the, the the amenities of living there, right? Whether it's you know you know New York or here in Tampa mm-hmm. on the beach or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, each one has its own kind of you know rules and 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 kind of feel, right? And um, uh, uh, people participating in this and and really you know living there, quote unquote, right, digitally. Um, you know, really uh, uh, help, you know, that is actually the fuel of the growth, right? Like that's really, truly what uh, I think uh, leads to these things growing is, is, is uh, having people participate, right? And, and, you know, it's, it's a matter of how well defined these rules are. And uh, I think that, I think this next generation of blockchains are really taking this seriously and, and uh, uh, understand that, you know, the bigger we get, the harder it is to change things. And, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, people are, are, you know, seeing, you know, trying to think about this, uh, uh, you know, how do you govern a decentralized protocol at scale, right? Um, you know, you're seeing democracies, you're seeing futarchy, you're seeing all these different kind of experiments. And, um, you know, we don't know what's going to work. I think uh, eventually we'll, we'll figure it out. I almost think that we're kind of reinventing basically all of human history in a very compressed time frame, <laughs> except online, <laughs> right? From, from, you know, uh, from the Romans to, to the Mayans to, to everything, right? So uh, we're kind of like, we're just reinventing how humans interact, but just in a, you know, in, in a digital environment. And which is, you know, there's there's definitely things that are going to be different, right? And and uh, what the most optimal way is, right? And there, I doubt there ever will be an optimal way. It's a matter of, uh, uh, you know, the beliefs of the people participating, right? The only difference is that now I can live in multiple jurisdictions at once, at any given point in time, right, and and I can have multiple beliefs and multiple, uh, uh, you know, stake my money where you know where my mouth is, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, the jury is definitely still out, kind of on these new governance models, right? And we'll see how it evolves. I tend to agree, kind of, with the notion of you know, it's important certainly to have a community and preferably a community that has some ownership and feels you know almost like ambassadors of of the network or or you know whatever it is that uh, they're part of. On the other hand, I kind of I don't know. I, I kind of I I find it difficult to bind to the notion of the community makes the decisions or the community in a significant way kind of influences the decision. I just try to imagine, to your point, right, the Bezos, the you know, the Steve Jobs, right, the the you know, the the, the Gates of the world being told by a group of people who may not even work at the company or you know as part of the organization. Um. Uh, you know what they should do and have an input into some of these kind of management decisions and i i I struggle to see it but but the jury is still out i mean maybe you know maybe there is a way to demise that and and find a way that gets the most i guess the best out of both worlds where the community does feel you know 
inclusive and kind of uh, very much kind of with a voice. And on the other hand, management, you know, is able to effectively make decisions and, and yeah, move you know, and I think I think we're going to see a um, in the entire spectrum, right? Or you've got, you know, you know, potentially one decision maker that's either, you know, the creator or, or, or a group of decision makers, right? Um, either potentially voted in, right? If you think of these as, as truly, you know, cities or jurisdictions, maybe, maybe, maybe there is, you know, defined leadership that is um, uh, uh, making decisions, right? And maybe that's, you know, uh, uh, for life because, you know, people agree in the direction that it's going, right? Um, I think you're going to see, and, and then I think you also see uh, you know, much, much more radically decentralized, right? Where, where you know, the crowd is literally the, the decision maker, right? Um, you know, I think uh, what's great about this space is that it's going to enable uh, that entire spectrum. And uh, frankly, you know, I think it's going to be impossible to, to not have, um, you know, especially even, you know, the most successful protocols to have some kind of um, hierarchy, right? You know, because frankly, we only have a certain amount of, uh, uh, mind space to think about things, right? And, you know, I am a part of different meetups and groups and things, but, you know, I allow kind of the subject matter experts to make the decisions about, you know, those, uh, uh, you know, for example, like like salsa, like, like I dance salsa. So, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, it's, it, I will let them <laughs> tell me, you know, what the right thing to do is, right? right. Like I, you know, I don't put enough time into it, right? And I think, I think just naturally, um, these blockchains will also segment themselves and things like that, right? Where, where there are people, you know, who are so deep into the, you know, building of the protocol, they know what the right decision is to make, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is which is the point I'm making. And also, like, I don't know of an example. I mean, maybe we're gonna completely reinvent the wheel, but I don't know of an example in human history where you had decentralization at the governance level that actually worked. I mean, even in democracies, right, we, we elect a government and, you know, we elect the leader of the country and we hope they do a good job kind of drive, driving yeah, the country I mean, forward based on, you know, their agenda and so forth. But we don't, you know, go to the people for almost, almost never, right? Almost, right? Uh, here, Brexit is a hot topic in the UK, but, but in general, like, we don't go to the people to kind of ask for that, it just feels like it would be quite inefficient. And, and to your point, right, like they don't have the mind space, uh, right? Like, you know, pocket and what you work on better than anyone, right? I mean, you spend your entire time working well, on it. You know, so. and, and to that point, you know, you know, oh gosh, I remember reading something and and, and um, blockchains are a new way of, and I, I don't remember who, who said this, I wish I could attribute it, but blockchains are, I believe it was a fifth way of organizing humans, right? We've had government, we've had businesses, uh, we've had religion, and I think I'm forgetting one. Um, but these are different ways of, of organizing people, right? And I think blockchains are in this kind of awkward space between a company and a government, <laughs> right? Um, where, 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 you know, different models to, 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 to make decisions, you know, what, what applies to a traditional company doesn't apply to a blockchain and what applies to a, you know, a government, right? Because, you know, you could argue that, you know, the EU and the United States are, you know, relatively decentralized in comparison to, 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 to the past, right? Um, where you've got, you know, 50 states and you've got the federal government, you know, and at least, you know, at least on this, this side, right? So, um, you know, 
and decisions get made, albeit slowly, right? And and I think there's a question of scale too, right? Where inevitably, I think as these blockchains get bigger, um, it's going to be harder to 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 govern, right? And it may be that um, uh, uh, you know it bifurcates itself naturally, where you know there's no necessarily kind of winner take all kind of a network effect market, but it's maybe. We're just kind of all participating in the ones that we like, and I will be more than happy to delegate, you know, the decision making to someone who's really deep into this. But I just believe it for X Y Z reason, right? Um, you know, I think I think what we'll see is kind of a uh, a spectrum of this, right? And uh, yeah, it'll be super fascinating to see how it uh, plays out. To, uh, plays out. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for uh, coming on. Great for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, and I really enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you, Tomer. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode of The Blockchain VC and want to help us bring more awareness to the space, I'd really appreciate it if you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. This only takes a few seconds and helps us get the word out. 